So if you've got your bulletins, pull out with me the, uh, the fill-in sheet, Intimacy and Fruitfulness. I'm going to take a seat here for a minute, because I gather that's what the spiritual people do around here. So. <laughs> I want to be spiritual. <laughs> I may not stay sitting down the whole time, but uh, <laughs> pull out your fill-in sheet, because it'll help you to follow along. We want to talk about intimacy and fruitfulness this morning. And uh, we're going to read from uh, Luke chapter 8. I realize you've been in a study in Titus. Uh, but I really felt like this is what the Lord wanted me to bring to you this morning. Uh, Luke chapter 8, I'm not going to read the whole of the parable, but this is the parable of the sower. And uh, Jesus told this story to help us understand how we can be fruitful and what God's heart is for us to be fruitful. And I don't know about you, but most of my Christian life I've felt kind of iffy on the issue of fruitfulness. I look at what I do uh, and what comes from it, and half the time I'm thinking, well, I'm not sure that I'm being fruitful. Am I pleasing God? Until I started to look into this passage here, and I realized that it's not my job to make myself be fruitful. It's God's job to make me be fruitful. It's my job to cooperate. So I want to give you a bit of a, a different angle on the parable of the sower this morning as we read this together. Uh, let me just read out to you the, the, the actual story and then we'll cover the explanation as we go along. A sower went out to sow his seed and as he sowed, some fell by the wayside and it was trampled down and the birds of the air devoured it. And some fell on rock and as soon as it sprang up, it withered away because it lacked moisture. And some fell among thorns and the thorns sprang up with it and choked it. But others fell on good ground and sprang up and yielded a crop a hundredfold. And when he said these things, Jesus cried out, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. So to start us out this morning, I'd like you to look at the person sitting next to you, see if they've got ears. Because if they do, I want you to nudge them and say, You better listen up, this is for you. Because Jesus wants everyone who's got ears to hear this. Uh, whether your ears work well or not, I'm pretty sure we've all got ears. I don't see anyone without them. And so I guess this applies to all of us. Is that a good place to begin? You know, you don't want to let, feel left out this morning. Um, and then what I want you to see is that Jesus, in his explanation, says that the seed is the Word of God. And I've put a bunch of scriptures there on your handout. I'm only going to refer to one of them, but Hebrews 4 verse 12 tells us that the Word of God is living and powerful. The Word of God, and uh, as God's Word takes root in our lives then it has power to bring fruit. And that's what Jesus is referring to here. He's speaking about the Word of God. But I want to show you this morning, just in a few minutes, that the Word of God is not just the Bible. Yes, the Bible is all the Word of God, but there's more to it than that. Because we're going to come around at the end. If you're the kind of person who likes to read down to the end, you, you don't buy a book until you've read the last page. Make sure it turns out good. But if you've looked to the bottom of the sheet here, we're going to end up saying that the Word is a person. But don't jump too far ahead of me. I want to say some things before we get there. What I want you to see about the seed is that it's the seed that's powerful. I'm giving you some blanks on your sheet there. It's the seed that carries the capability of reproducing the parent. When you plant a bean seed, you don't expect to get a thistle. Or if you plant corn, you don't expect to get weeds. If you bought a pack of seeds and they came out not what you asked for, you'd go back to the store and say, hey, 
Any of you seen that movie, Secondhand Lions? Where the old boys, if all these visiting salesmen come by this remote ranch that they're living on with this young lad that's a distant relative or something. And they buy all these seeds as they're trying to get kind of domesticated. And they buy all these different varieties of sows the seed of his word into our hearts as he wants to reproduce himself in you and me. But it's not you and yours and my job to make that happen. So often we go to church and the preacher tells us all the things we've got to do to make us like God. But Jesus is telling us in this parable that it's the seed that does all the work. It's the seed that reproduces the parent. The next blank on your sheet there, it's the seed that does all the work. The seed determines the fruit, but the soil determines the size of the crop. In other words, if I'm going to let the Word of God take root in my heart, in my life, the likeness of God is going to come forth in me. The thing that makes the difference is the condition of my heart as to how much the likeness of God is seen in me. So it's not my job to search the Scriptures and figure out what is Jesus like, how can I try to be like Him, but it is my job to let my heart be good soil and not any of these other kinds of soil that Jesus talks about. And so, I trust you like I want a big crop in my life of the likeness of God. That's why we get, get together like this, isn't it? We want to somehow put ourselves in the place where the likeness of God, the, the fruit of God putting his seed of his word in my life, the fruit is great. And so, it's great to gather together in this way and to be the family of God, the community of God, where God can begin to water and, and grow that seed. But we want to be good soil. So, if you look at the next section on your sheets, the soil, Jesus tells me, is, the, is my life. Seed. So, my willingness to obey and cooperate with the Father, my ability to hear and to respond to what he's saying as he speaks his word to me, is going to depend on the condition of my heart. So let's look at the condition of our hearts for a moment here. And I want to open out a little thing for you here that you may not have seen before. There's four different kinds of soil that Jesus talks about. And before we get to that, actually, I just realized, did we skip God is the farmer? I think we did, didn't we? Let me come back to that because that's important before we get to the soil. I'm sorry, Rusty or Brandy or whoever's running it. Hey, Randy. <laughs> Let's come back to God as the farmer here, because you see the soil in that picture. It's not, not really good, is it? Um, but Jesus tells me that God is the sower. God is the farmer. And so, as we start to look at the types of soil in just a moment here, I want you to understand this about farmers. You, let me tell you where I've come from. Although I've been in ministry for years, my training for ministry is an agricultural degree. I went to agricultural college. Oh, I've done a lot of theological training since, don't panic. You know, you know, it's not a farmer trying to teach you the word of God this morning. but uh, I've been around a lot of farmers in my time, and I never met a farmer who was satisfied with the condition of his farm. Farmers are always working, aren't they? We got any farmers here today? Anybody who's grown up around farmers? You got farmers in your family? Yeah. They're always working. They're always doing all kinds of stuff to their, to their land to make it more productive. Well, as a one-shot story. That's what I used to see it as. It's like, okay, you know, you lot over here, you're the rocky soil, and you lot over here, you're the, the, the hard ground, and you lot over here, you're the weedy soil, and, you know, sorry. That was the way I used to see it. 
But actually, what Jesus is wanting us to see is that all of us, if we'll cooperate with God, can be good soil. So, as we look at these four types of soil, just quickly together here, I want to invite you to give God permission to be the farmer of your life. To keep working the soil and turning it and and putting goodness into it as he addresses the issues that would make us unfruitful. So let's look at the types of soil together. Come down to the soil is, in, uh, the soil is my life. The first type of soil that Jesus talks about is the hard soil, the path, the rocky, uh, not the rocky, the, the roadway, the, the area that's leading us into the field. And that hard soil speaks of the, the hardness in our hearts that enables us to, to resist the word of God penetrating. It's where self-protection keeps the Word of God out. If you wanted a word to fill in the the blank there, it would be self-protection. Because in each of our lives, we learn to put up walls, don't we? Somebody hurts me, and I put up this wall toward them that says, you're not going to hurt me again. If I was to, I'm not going to because I know the microphone won't let me, but if I was to come uh, come down here and I was to step on Preston's toe, and then walk around elsewhere and and carry on with the message, and then come back towards him, what's he going to do the next time I come along? I I wouldn't do it on, well, I would do it on purpose, because I wanted to demonstrate something, but, (laughs) would you forgive me? I I trust he would do, because he's a nice kind of guy, but even so, the next time I come by, he's going to pull his feet in, isn't he? Because all of us have those kind of points in our lives where somebody, metaphorically speaking, stepped on my toe. And so I put up a wall of self-protection. Now, the problem is that over time, that wall of self-protection gets really high and hard and well-built. So that not only am I keeping other people out, but I'm also keeping the Word of God out. I become like a path that's been trampled by life. And the seed falling on it can't begin to penetrate. God doesn't want us to be hard and keeping people at a distance. But the problem is, for all of us, even if you've known the Lord for a long time, we learn to harden our hearts before we knew God, and so it comes naturally to us to continue to harden our hearts. And God's all about breaking up the hardness of our hearts, but we need to give him permission to do that. We want to let him bring down our walls of self-protection, so we're not the kind of person that's got this kind of plexiglass shield around them. You ever met somebody like that? You know, you can get so close, but... Not really close. There's always a defensive barrier between you and them. That's one kind of heart. And I think most of us would recognize aspects of hardness in all of our hearts. But the answer, as I've already showed it, is that... And the picture we've put on here, you see that the crop is withering because there are all these rocks below the surface. And... What happens is, if I keep stuff hidden in my life, hidden issues, if you like, would be the the, the words to fill in the blank there. If there are hidden issues in my life, I look good on the surface, you know, I can hold it together for Sunday morning when I'm with everybody else, but when I get out of here, there's all these rocks below the surface that prevent the Word of God going deep in my life. I don't let other people see, but there's all this junk that I try to cover over. And sadly, church has helped us to be like that too often. I know this church is not like that, but many churches uh, have taught us that it's not acceptable to have issues, and so we keep them covered over. 
You know, so we kind of, we till the top surface bit, and, and if there's any big rocks there, we kind of brush a bit of dust over the top, make it look like good soil, so we can hold it all together and look holy. But then we wonder why the Word of God doesn't bear fruit in our lives. It's because there's all this junk below the surface, and I'm trying to keep it hidden. One of the biggest things I, I learned when I was first saved was to hide the truth about myself. Not in the first few months of that glorious feeling of, gosh, God loves me, wow, this is amazing. But after a little while, all the stuff that you know you're not supposed to be doesn't seem to get straight. And so you learn to cover it over. And I was a master at hiding. In fact, I think I put more energy into hiding the truth about myself than I did into pursuing God. But God's not going to put up with those rocks in my life. Yeah, if, he, if I want to be that way, he'll leave me that way until I'm ready to change. But soil, make pretty good boundaries. If you deal with an issue in your life and put it to the side of your field so that it forms a boundary line, you're saying, I don't want this in my life anymore. I want it to the side here where I can be warning others as well as keeping to it myself that I don't want this stuff in my life. But I have to cooperate with God to let him bring those rocks to the surface to bring the hidden truths about my life out. Because otherwise, in a hard time, I'll wither. The third kind of soil is weedy soil. I don't like to put these in a progression, but in some cases in our lives, we'll find they form a progression. You see, some of us have worked through the hidden stuff. There isn't these big hidden issues below the surface anymore, but we've yet to deal with the stuff that we're well aware of, but we know it's not really godly. Those are the weeds that choke out the life of the Word of God in our lives. The things that grow up with it, it might be materialistic type stuff where, you know, I've just got to keep buying the latest thing. Or it might be uh, that I, I like to keep parts of my life where I'm in charge. You know, yeah, I'll come to, to, I'll come to church and I'll, I'll come to life group or whatever. I'll meet with other people, but I really need to be sure I'm at home for the, for the game on TV. And nobody but nobody invades that part of my life. Or, or whatever it may be. I'm used, uh, forgive me if you're a sports fan. I'm not knocking sports. But I'm talking about that... Did I just lose everybody? <laughs> I'm talking about that independence. To use this, you didn't discover independence when you got here. You brought it with you. Those of you whose forebears came from where I'm from. Because, you see, independence is a common human trait. Uh, it, it comes from the fall. You find it in the garden, first of all, don't you? Adam and Eve were the first independent ones. They said, okay, we'll, we'll do it the way we want to do it and not the way God told us to do it. And all of us are infected with independence, but it's like a weed that chokes out the life of God. Because if you look back into Genesis before the fall, when God created us, we said this already on the weekend for those of you who are here, when God created humanity, he didn't say, I will create humanity. He said, let us create mankind. Because God is corporate. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, three in one, three persons, one God. And so there's corporate relationship right in the heart of God. And he's designed us to be relational and corporate also. He doesn't want us to be independent, and that's why independence chokes out the life of the, of the Word of God in our lives. So the weeds in my life are the things that I can see, and others can see them too, but I haven't let God deal with them yet. It's not that I'm trying to hide the truth about myself. It's that I'm just, I kind of like my independence and my freedom to do what I want to do. Thank you very much. Or whatever it may be. I know that what I believe doesn't match up with the Word of God, but I'm not quite ready to change it yet. 
because I kind of like some of the lies that I believe about myself. It makes life go the way I want it to go. And you know what? The farmer doesn't like that kind of weedy soil. And so sometimes when I embrace that kind of attitude as I have for much of my life, I find that I'm opposed to God. And that's not a good place to be. It's not a safe place to be because (laughs) I give my life to you. He thought you meant it. (laughs) And so he has the right to say, well, I don't like this in your life, Mark. I'm going to take it out. (laughs) Jesus told us if if we love him, then he and his father come and make themselves at home in our lives. Well, I don't know about you, but when we make a home, don't we rearrange it the way we want it? I could tell you all kinds of funny stories. I won't tell you more than one just for the sake of time. But it gets to the point my wife loves to make things homey and comfortable and just so. And so every few weeks, well, it's not quite as bad now, but it used to be every few weeks, we'd move everything around in the house just to see if it was better a different way. Some of you are nudging each other. Obviously, you've met my wife. (laughs) God likes to rearrange things in our lives. It got to be a joke with our boys that after getting me to do all the rearranging for her, now as our boys got bigger and they could move furniture, she'd wait until I went away on a ministry trip and then she'd move all the furniture and they'd say, Mum, why do you always move the furniture when Dad's away? And she'd said, well, I've taught him everything I know, now I'm teaching you. (laughs) (laughs) Do you ever resent when God wants to move something around in your life? You see... Sometimes it's those weeds. I know I'm mixing metaphors, but God likes to pull out some of the weeds in our lives. He likes to rearrange the furniture. He likes to change things so he feels more at home in me and in you. And I recommend that you don't fight him because he's not going to put up with hardness and self-protection. He wants me to be good soil. But before we get on to the good soil, let me give you the fill-in first of all for for the good soil and then we'll move on to that final point there. The good soil is broken and ready to receive. You see, to make soil good, farmers plough it and till it and break it down and they put all kinds of good stuff into it that causes it to be fruitful. And it's only if you break the soil up that the roots of the plant can, be, can grow down into the water that's there and bring out good fruit. It's only with good soil that you get a good crop. But did you catch what I said? Good soil is broken open and ready to receive. And it's the farmer who does the breaking. And so for many of us, it's only in our willingness to be broken open by God that we can become fruitful. You see, God loves us so much that he doesn't want to leave us the way we are. Let's talk about being broken for a moment here. The point I want to make is that the word, the seed, is not some intangible thing or it's not simply this book, beautiful and wonderful and powerful as that is, but in the beginning of John's Gospel, we see that the word is a person. John 1, verse 1, says, In the beginning was the word, and the word was God, was with God, excuse me, and the word was God. And then in verse 18, he goes on to say, No one has seen God at any time, but the only begotten Son who's in the bosom of the Father, who gave his life that we could have life. He is the Word of God. He lives in you and me if we've handed our lives over to him. He is the person 
the only begotten Son, who declares the Father to us, who declares Almighty God to human beings. He literally unpacks God for us to embrace and to experience. The, word, the Greek word there is, is exegesis, which, of course, those who've gone to seminary learn to unpack the Word of God, to, to pull out everything that's been packed in there. It's amazing how much fits in one small book. And the more you begin to unpack it, it grows and bears fruit, just like a seed bears fruit. You look at one little seed, it doesn't look much, does it? But when it grows and puts its roots into good soil and finishes its life cycle, it bears much fruit, and that fruit has much more seed within it. And so God is in the business of multiplication. He wants his word to increase in you and me out of our intimacy with him. That's why I've titled this Intimacy and Fruitfulness. It's not about just spending time studying the Bible. It's about living my life in relationship with the Word, Jesus, who unpacks the Father to me and to you. Intimacy precedes fruitfulness. I don't want to be shallow soil. I don't want to be hard soil. I don't want to be weedy soil, I want to be good soil. And so I've learned to welcome God working in my life. A friend of ours talks about letting God dig in the garden of our hearts. I love that expression because it's inviting him to come close to me as he wants to do and to make me fruitful by his initiative through my cooperation. The soil that resists the plough is the hard soil. The soil that cooperates with the plough is the fruitful soil. And I want to encourage each of you to be fruitful. I welcome God breaking into my life to change me and to set me free. Let me pray with you. In fact, let me say one more thing before I pray with you. If you look at verse 15 of the original passage in Luke 8, Jesus talks about the good soil being those who have noble and good hearts. Or the words may vary in your translations, but that's what it is in the New King James. And those two words have different implications. The noble implies that I have a good heart towards God. That I'm willing to let God touch me and uh, work in my life. And then a good heart, that word means that I have a heart that reaches out to others to receive from them and to share with them what God has placed in them. And so it's a two-directional process that God wants us to embrace. Let's pray together, and then I'm going to hand it back to Pastor Darrell. Father God, we want to ask you more fruitful. We want to welcome your advances, your initiatives to begin to break open our lives and make them more fruitful. And Father, we thank you that you've given us your word. Not just the scripture where you've promised that those who give their lives to you will receive your eternal life, but you've also given us our Lord Jesus, the word of God, to live in us and through us, making us fruitful. So, Father, this morning we welcome you to break us open, to bring to the surface the issues in our lives, to pull out any weeds of independence and self-focus. 
And we allow you to make us fruitful. So we thank you for the privilege of being your children. And we welcome your initiatives to set us free. In Jesus' name we pray.